Welcome to the High and Low Podcast. I am your host, Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo. I have a little bit of a cold today, but we're going to get through this together, I think. Because there's nothing better than not feeling your best and then watching the Beverly Hills reunion. And this time I watched the Peacock uncensored and unedited version. So my recap might be a little bit different if you only watch the one that aired on Bravo TV, you know, uh, network television. And I will be honest that it took me three tries to get through it because after watching a whole season of 8.5 Anne and the hijinks and all of that and Dorit and her bubble obtuseness, it is hard to just jump into a reunion where Dorit is, is dressed like Little Red Riding Cornholio and she's, again, you know, feigning complete ignorance when it comes to very basic things that you would know not to say, right? Like you would know not to call someone a child bride. And then watching 8.5 and come to her defense, fine, let's get into it. Let's just get into it. What I'm saying is it exhausted me upon my first try and I had a, I literally had to go lay down. I laid horizontally on a bed. I don't know if that's the reaction NBC wants <laughs> from people watching its shows. It almost drove me to madness and I had to turn it off and lay down. I don't know if that's the review they're looking for. So that's a note to NBC to maybe not have a Coke commercial and uh, a nurse who keeps saying she's a doctor kind of lead the show next season. But yeah, so we're going to go over the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion, the highs and lows of that, as well as random Bravo news. Now, the Bravo news of this week, this news cycle is hide your kids, hide your wives. Everybody's suing everybody up in here because I feel like there's not one franchise on Bravo that's not currently tangled in some kind of lawsuit with someone else. Like we got the Jersey lawsuit of Louis' ex-fiance, not the first one, the second one, suing him for online harassment, I believe it was, and cyber stalking. I haven't gotten to read that yet. Then we had Brandy coming for Andy. Then we had Leah coming for, I mean, they're, t they're tag teaming up. And I'm not alone in feeling like Bethany is behind the curtain of some of this. And of course, you got the Caroline Manza lawsuit against Bravo. Then you got the Vanderpump rules people in lawsuits with each other where Raquel slash Rachel is suing Ariana and her former lover, Scandival, Sandoval, for revenge porn, I think it is. There's a lot of lawsuits flying back and forth, and it's really hard to know which ones are like legit and really have teeth and which ones are reaching. I'm going to try to read as many of them as I can. But this reunion started out as most reunions do, and I don't remember when they started doing this. But now, starting with the reunion, like, isn't good enough. They give us the behind the scenes before it actually starts. So we see everybody with their under eye moisturizing patches on and their robes and their trailers all talking trash and about what they're going to talk about that day. And Andy comes in and he talks to different ones. And to Kyle, I thought it was actually pretty funny. He comes in, he talks to Kyle and he's like, you know, Mauricio's going to be here today. And she's like, what? And he really got her for a second. Of course, she's easy to get, but they had a laugh on it and I laughed too. I like when Andy chooses chaos, you know, and has a little bit of fun with the ladies, no matter how crazy the drama is. And the big focus here is, of course, that Dorit got a very long, very loquacious text from Kyle the night before, and she's all amped up because that's content, baby. That's something to talk about on camera. That's not a Coca-Cola ad. This is good stuff. So she's talking to Erica about it. She's already shown it. You know, the camera, they, we've, we've seen it all. I'll read it for you in a minute. But she's like, I've never felt so manipulated in my life. And Erica agrees. Yeah, that's definitely manipulative. And I, I do agree, though. I do think it's very manipulative of Kyle to send that. Because she's pretty much like, let's not get, let's not don't have this drama by just trying to give you know, ratings on a show. Come now, Dorit, we're better than that. You mean so much to me. I'm kind of over this show anyway. I keep thinking about leaving. Let's just read it. What's also important is that now that Dorit is talking publicly about the text that Kyle sent her, Kyle is feigning um, shock and awe and sadness that Dorit would read a private text. And her minion, Teddy, uh, has also expressed shock and awe and sadness that the text would be read for the public. So let's definitely lean into that by reading it. Kyle Richards Umansky is how Kyle is saved in Dorit's phone. And the text came in Thursday, January 25th, 10, 21 p.m. 
She didn't even send it until 10.21 p.m. That's hilarious to me. Like there's being an afterthought and then there's being a less than two hours before midnight afterthought. Because they all get there. Crystal has been on Jeff Lewis Live where she said they all had to get up like super duper early and they were supposed to start around like 8.15, you know, 8, 8.30 or whatever. But they didn't actually start till 10 in the morning because they were waiting on Dorit. My point is... If you really wanted to communicate something to someone and you all knew that your call time, you had to be ready by 8.15, which means for some of these broads, you know that their glam is probably, I don't know, three, four hours, six hours. I don't know what they do. I don't know if there's pulley systems. I don't know if they're bathing in milk and honey. I don't know how many rows of extensions and how long that takes to do. I don't know. But they're up early. So to text somebody at 10.21 at night, you're really texting him like the next morning. That's how sloppy Kyle was with it. Like you got to work somebody. You know what I mean? Like you can't just throw a text at 1020 at night and think that she's going to fall in line by 6 a.m. Cocky. Queen B got cocky. Here's what the text said. Hi, I've been trying to reach out because I know we are in a weird place and it really bothers me. And all capitals. It's not even on the show. Dot, dot, dot. I wanted to explain where I am and why I've been distant, but my hands were tied. Of course, some interview comments hurt my feelings and created more issues for me, but I'm used to that. I could get past it in time. I also reminded, reminded is spelled wrong, myself that you didn't know what I was going through with Mo at the time for most of these remarks. But then I heard some things that you said about me off camera and that hurt me deeply. And I wasn't even able to say what I heard or from whom. It was one of those things where I wished I just didn't know it all because I wasn't able to share and yet I was left hurt and couldn't even try to work through it with you. And I know you will be frustrated and want to know what and who said it, but I can't. It's as frustrating to me as it will be to you. Trust me. I have gone through such a hard time, Dorit. I've never been in so much pain, I can't tell you. Never have I felt so low. And I know you are also going through a hard time through hard time. Normally, I would have reached out to check on you, but I was hurt and very depressed. I've spent 30 years with Mo, married 28, and I have no idea how to live without him or how to navigate through life on my own because I have so much on my plate for tomorrow. And I know you do too. I love you, PK and your kids so much. I've been thinking about you a lot and hoping you aren't struggling too much. I don't want to lose someone else in my life over a TV show. They don't even know we are going through a hard time, so I don't see the need to bring it up here. I should have said something sooner, but I honestly haven't been strong enough. But relationships and you, all capitals, are more important to me than R-H-O-B-H. Hold on a minute. This is the longest text message ever. I just had a coughing fit. This is so verbose. Okay, we're jumping back in. And I don't feel like, in quotes, bringing it for the at our expense, especially when we have enough battles to handle as it is. Anyway, I would like to sit down and talk after we get through tomorrow, maybe have lunch or dinner when you can. If you want to talk before tomorrow, I am around. I, I, I gotta pause it. If you want to talk before tomorrow, if you want to talk before tomorrow, I'm around. It's 1021 p.m. Y'all gotta be there at 6 a.m. Only way someone's talking to me with those limited hours is you got an inception into my mind somehow. You better find Leonardo DiCaprio and I'll see you in a dream. Okay, here's how she finishes it. I would give anything not to go and have to do this. I don't know how much longer I can do this show. It's so toxic and creates so much anxiety for me. Anyway, let me know if you want to talk. XX. That's the end of her message and I have so many thoughts about that. I think one of the most manipulative parts for me, other than like, let's not talk about stuff tomorrow just to bring it for the camera, hush, hush, X, what, five hours before they start shooting, whatever it is. Um, but then also when she's saying, I heard some things you said about me off camera that hurt me deeply. I wasn't able to say what I heard or from whom. I wish I didn't know. I can't share it with you. You'll be frustrated and you're going to want to know who said what that's frustrating me off camera, but I can't tell you as frustrating to me as it will be to you. Trust me. What? 
that is some third grade level BS to come to someone that you're saying you love and you consider a friend. Someone said you said something about me off camera that upset me, but I can never tell you who or what. Ma'am, are you adults or not? Are you friends or not? If she said something that hurt you, first of all, verify that she actually said it unless it's on tape. And secondly, give her the opportunity to like tell you why she's or apologize. That is just so odd to me. And she belittles the show so many times in this text. Like, I don't want to lose someone I care about over a TV show. You mean like how you lost Lisa Vanderpump? And then she's admitting like she hasn't reached out to her. They haven't seen each other in a long time. But in this text, hours before they're supposed to start taping, she's like, maybe we can have lunch or dinner when you can. And then belittling the show being like, I I would give anything not to go and have to do this, which is so wild to read because it's like, hey, Kyle, I'm just going to slip you a note on the table here. You have a lot of money and you don't have to do this show if you don't want to. You're doing Amazon Primes left and right, leaking little bits of juice here and there, having people click a do, buy things on Amazon to watch you and, and Morgan. Uh, you have other ways of making money if you hate doing this show so much, if you like it's that toxic. And also, second piece of paper I'm going to slip across to you, you're the one that makes the show toxic a lot of the times. So not only do you not have to do the show, but if you continue to do the show, you can make it less toxic. It's kind of cool how that works. You went and started a click as as grown women. And then also remember when you geared up this new person, 8.5 Anne, that was your friend that you brought on the show and you had her like all riled up, riled her up to go after Sutton. So you didn't have to do that either, but you did. So I agree. I agree. There are some real toxic parts of this show. So feel free to rein that in whenever you like. Or we are all behind you. If you want to take a break, because we know we'll see you again. If you want to take a break and go off grid for a year and just be in like in a cabin with guitars and you you guys just chill, like that's good too. Whatever works for you, because we definitely notice the toxicity as well. And it is not fun. Like I always say, there's good funny shade. And then there's let's break this person down into carbon form. That's not as enjoyable to watch. But that's Kyle's manipulative text that she sent to Dorit. And so Dorit is showing it to Erica in her trailer and they are both agreeing on its levels of manipulation. Now, the jaded part of me is like, is the text also a plant? Is the text the fourth member of the Fox Force 5 since other members are no more. You know what I mean? Like, did they plan that out so that then she would feign shock and awe that she's sharing the text, but really the text was planned so that they would have the text to talk about instead of real stuff? I don't know. Am I going too deep with this? I don't think so. I don't, I don't put anything past these women to avoid talking about real things. And then there's a moment in the reunion where Kyle's going to blow up at everybody I don't know if it's this week or next week because I just saw a clip of it where she's like, don't you ever say I don't talk about my family. You saw Portia when she was two years old. You've seen this and this and this. And I think she was trying to do the thing that Teresa did recently where Teresa was like, I have shared. And she just like went off about all the stuff that she shared on the show, which was legit. And while Kyle has definitely had a long run on the show, you can't compare her to other women in other franchises who absolutely bare their souls and mention it all. Kyle has shared a lot with us. She has, but she demands of others and then doesn't match that same demand herself. And I think that's where the problem comes from. Now, the stage for them is a cityscape and they do this thing where they have everybody come onto the stage in their pretty couches and then they hit the lights and it shows this beautiful Los Angeles cityscape behind them. And everybody's like, ooh, ah, and it is very nice. Andy called it a backyard cocktail party in the Hollywood Hills. And as someone who used to live adjacent to the Hollywood Hills, I'll say it often smells like dog poop because so many people take their dogs on walks and then don't pick up the poop, which is fitting because they're about to get into some poop. So people are walking out onto this Hollywood Hills skyscape thing and they're all like taking their seats and Kyle's like, oh, hi, everybody. And she's like, oh, is that everyone? And then... (laughs) someone's like, no, Dorit's not here. And that was so funny to me because when you don't even realize that someone's not there, when you sent them that long text message just a few hours before, I was rolling. I was like, she does not care about her. Then to add to the hilarity, we cut to the parking lot. And that's where we find Dorit. Dorit is in the parking lot. 
with a crew of people around her. We don't know how she pays these people. We don't know who these people are, but they're all fawning over her, touching up her makeup and her hair. And they've got her little red dress on her and they're like pinning it into place. And they're taking lots of videos and selfies. And she's giving, you know, blue steel into the camera. And it was so reminiscent of when she has made everybody wait for her from like the beginning, when whenever she's originally on the show, when she would just make people wait for her <laughs> when she was in glam and then just taking photos afterwards of herself. And you know you're in trouble when even Andy makes a dig because when everybody realizes she's not there and they cut her in the parking lot, Andy's like, well, I'm so glad I got here at 815. And then, you know, Crystal said in the in the interview, like, she didn't show up till 10. You got people waiting for an hour and 45 minutes, really two hours, because I think the ultimate goal was to start at eight. But everybody, like, realizes you're probably not going to start at eight. But still, 10 a.m.? I, no joke, I'm not even kidding. I'm not even being funny when I say that if you gave me 20 minutes, I could run into Joanne's Fabrics by probably six yards of that red fabric, stand Dorit up, wrap her tiny body in it and flip it over her head, you would not be able to tell the difference in what I put together for her from Joanne's Fabrics and what she has on. It's a very bright red, dare I say, a Coca-Cola red. So she walks out and this aisle about lost it. She walks out and Andy, <laughs> Andy gives her a look like head to toe, toe to head, head to toe, toe to head. He's like, hey, hood. <laughs> When he said, hey, Hood, I really did fall out. And then later on, he's like, what, what were you going for today? And she's like, fashion, fashion, fashion. So that was very amusing. And we're made to be very aware several times through close-up camera shots of Kyle's hands that she's very nervous. She's like playing with her rings and she's like all tense. But Kyle is always a tense little bunny. So that's not news for any of us. Now, for whatever reason... We get to Erica and she starts going off. She's starting. She starts going into, I am still hurt. Because they talk about how she said on Watch What Happens Live, she got eviscerated at the last reunion. Well, yeah, you are part of the largest embezzlement scheme the state of California has ever seen. Whether or not you want to admit that to yourself, like you profited from the pain and suffering of others. Tom took money from clients and then you rolled around on a bed and threw money in the air and talked about DSLs in a Lambo and then, you know, tried to tell the world that like Chris from Marco Marco somehow charged $800,000 to $900,000 without your approval. Like, I'm just saying, there's a lot to talk about there. And to want Kyle to now be eviscerated about her marriage, it's never going to be the same thing. But but okay, Erica's talking about her feelings that only she has and she doesn't understand that other people have feelings, but we have to accept that about her and move on. And that she was still hurt and the last two years were very hard for her. And at that point, I started to need to lay down. But I was trying to stay strong. And so then we get into Kyle and Dorit start fighting about essentially working out. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm sorry. Like, all of this is just so amusing to me, maybe because I'm sick and I do have a light fever. So I'm feverish and it's making for a fun viewing session. But Kyle is essentially like roasting <laughs> Dorit because she's like, well, Dorit, no, we don't hang out as much anymore, Dorit, because I invite you to like go work out, but you don't work out. Like you don't do that kind of stuff. I invite you to do stuff that you, but you don't do the things that I do. And Dorit's like, oh, Coyle, if you wanted me to go on a walk with you or something. And I'm like, Dorit, I don't, I don't even follow Kyle online. But the times when I have gone to her profile or seen other people amplify what she's posting, she is not going for a brisk mall walk. She is lifting weights. She is doing like circuit training. She is very much hardcore working out. So if you're not going to hardcore work out, that's what she's talking about here. She and Morgan share a trainer. It's not just a walk, you know, with some hand weights, but then, you know, Kyle won't let it go. And we, I mean, I did enjoy it. She was like, well, I know I asked you one time and Dorit's like, well, that was in Palm Springs and your friends like a 10 mile hike. <laughs> just the, just the image of like Dorit fading <laughs> 
trying to go on a hike with Kyle and her fitness friends and like needing to sit down. First of all, we've all been there, right? Secondly, it is very funny to me to think of Dorit like not being in her element and fashion can't save you when she's on this hike. Like at what point did she realize that she couldn't get out of it? Was she like halfway in? Because you still got to walk halfway out. So you might as well just keep going. It's like the Churchill quote, when you're going through hell, just keep going at that point. Unless you're four miles or less, then you turn around. But we don't know the details. All we know is Dorit had to sit down (laughs) after either going on a hike or a walk with them in Palm Springs. And Palm Springs is the desert. So we get it. We get a Dorit. And a good friend would know their friend's limitations. You know, I would never ask Dorit who like smokes in secret and it is drinking Cokes and telling people that Cokes are good for you. That is not the person that I would say, Hey, come on this 10 mile hike with me. So what I'm saying is shame on Kyle too. You got to know your friends and what they're into and their limitations. And I did feel a little bit bad for Dorit, but also it was funny. That was like a warm up to get them real heated, to get the muscles loose you know, release some of that fash attention for them to get into the text message. And Dree was like, do I, am I an idiot to you? That you're going to send me a text message the night before about difficult things? And of course, Kyle's like, it wasn't manipulative. It was honest and all this kind of stuff. But we're going to hear more about the text message. But they're kind of, what they're doing is they're going around each person and like having a little like a welcome package almost as if we don't know who they are and what they've talked about all season. So next up was Garcelle. And so they did a little summary of her storylines for the season. And then they focused on Garcelle saying that in the beginning of the season that she didn't know if she trusted these women around her family. And rightly so, because her son was targeted and then he was cursed out. Like a lot of things have happened to her family that have not happened to anyone else's family nor would they. I think they would shut the network down if somebody came after one of Kyle's daughters like that. And yet she was one of the people laughing the loudest when they were retelling that story. And so was Mo. But what they focus on is Dorit's reaction because Dorit cannot let anybody express themselves or feel what they feel if she perceives that she is in any way being criticized as part of that. That's what I've noticed about her. And yet, she expects that of other people. So when Garcelle said that to the group, remember, she was like, oh, I take offense to that. And so here at the reunion, she's like, as a mother, I, without hurt my feelings, I was sad. And Garcelle's like, yeah, well, I was sad also when Erica cursed out my son and then you all laughed about it. So let's call it even. And I agree with her. <laughs> like, let it go, Dorit. Let's call it even. And Kyle really got off easily with that. I know she apologized and everything, but in the flashback, she really starts it. She, there's the four of them sitting there, PK, Kyle, Dorit, and Mauricio. And Kyle's like, did you hear? <laughs> did you guys hear what Erica said to, you know, Garcelle's son, the 14-year-old? Oh, it's really rough to watch back. Dorit can't do it, though. She can't let it go. She can't agree to disagree. None of that. She's like, no, I understand that, Garcelle. No, I understand. No, I understand that, Garcelle, but it seems like a grudge. And she will not stop being combative with Garcelle. She just won't. And she's, she gaslights her and she doesn't even know she's doing it, I don't think. And this is what Garcelle and others keep trying to tell her. You don't even see what you're doing, but she will not just let them tell her what they're saying and feeling. She has to jump in. So Garcelle's like, no, you got defensive and you wouldn't let me have my feelings. And Dorit says, it wasn't that. What, what, how was it not that Garcelle is telling you what she felt and perceived? So you have to meet her halfway, right? And I'm like yelling at the TV. What are you trying to do here? What's the end game? Are you trying to convince someone they didn't feel what they felt and experience what they experienced? I felt like she was doing to Garcelle kind of what PK does to her when it comes to her PTSD. And I don't know if that is an unconscious thing she's doing or what. And speaking of unconscious, um, they talk about calling Dorit an unconscious Karen, which means that she's not necessarily malicious or overt, that she just has these behaviors that she cannot stop doing. And she either can't or won't recognize that they are offensive. But then here's where stuff started really wearing me out. 8.5 in, as they're going back and forth, Garcelle and Dorit, back and forth. Like, and we were letting them work it out. This is what reunions are for, right? 8.5 Anne chimes in. 8.5 Anne, who's wearing a blue dress with one of those cutouts. It looks like a shark attack when it's cut out on the ribs. And uh, so it's just skin there and it's a royal blue. And it's the exact same dress that 
uh, what is her name on Potomac? Sharice. Oh, I can't stand that Sharice also wore to a reunion and someone pointed that out and was like, that is a fitting dress for her, for 8.5 Anne to wear at the end of her flop season. Because 8.5 Anne in her blue Sharice dress chimes in, but she's not chiming in to defend Garcelle. She's chiming in to defend Dorit. And she does it in this crazy long roundabout way where she's like, the way that she talks really irritates me because it's so managerial. It's so Zoom manager talking to HR, mean nurse, nurse ratchet. I do not like it. It makes me very, very uncomfortable. It makes me close up and like get ready for some sort of issue with someone. When she's saying that, when Sutton said that she was yelling, she's like, okay, quit yelling then. Quit yelling then. Because 8.5 and just the way that she talks is very like, and then, and this. And it wasn't conversational and chill. And so Sutton was saying like, okay, quit yelling at me because it was at her own, I think, event at the launch of the Sutton store or the celebration of the Sutton store. And she's saying, I'm a black woman too. And that is somebody weaponizing me, trying to make me look aggressive was what she was saying to Garcelle. And that Garcelle did not come to her aid, but drum roll, that Dorit came to her aid. And a few times while she's making this roundabout crazy, you know, commentary, Garcelle's like, well, that might be, and she's trying to say something. She's trying to have a back and forth conversation that two human beings would have. But every time she tries, 8.5 Anne says, I'm still talking. I'm still talking. I'm still talking like that. It's just that mean teacher, mean manager, like mean energy that nobody wants to deal with that. Nobody wants to talk to that. And I think Andy is over it too, because after all of that, there's just like a beat of silence. And he's like, I want to go back to Dorit. And I'm like, yes, let's all go back to what we were focusing on, shall we? And I'm sitting here thinking like, what was that? Why did, why did she do that? Why did she feel the need to jump in? Like Dorit is part of a clique. And I'm like, well, Kyle brought her on. Maybe part of that was thinking that she was going to be part of this, of this Fox Force farce club that they have. I'm like, are you trying to make alliances with Dorit at the reunion? It's too late. You're done, son. We'll see you never. You're going to interrupt and make a scene at the reunion over Dorit? Stop it. So they go back to Dorit and Garcelle and we pretend like Anne never interrupted. And they get back to the conversation about the word attacked and Garcelle trying to communicate to Dorit that if she could just refrain from saying attacked, when it comes to having a conversation with, with a black woman, that would be great because it carries a message that it doesn't carry when she's having her, uh, you know, life in her bubble conversations with everyone else. And I bring that up because they spent a lot of time talking about this bubble thing as if that was like the worst thing to say to someone. They're doing her a favor, I think, by saying that. Like, oh, Dorit just lives in a bubble. Oh, she's just sheltered. She doesn't understand. They're not straight up being like, you don't care. You refuse to learn. You're doing this on purpose. I've told you five, six times now. We've been filming the show together for two to three years. You refuse to change. You refuse to evolve. You're committed to this. Instead, they're saying she lives in a bit of a bubble. Nicest thing they could possibly say. And so they're calling her out for like doubling down on that as like a point of pride. Because then she posted two separate posts on her account being like, mm, here's me in my bubble. And then another one with her and her family being like, this is my bubble. And we're like, that's really not, mm, being ignorant is really not something to be proud of, but sweet, I guess. And she says at the reunion, like, that was a mistake. And so they ask her the obvious question, why not take it down then? And Crystal <laughs> Crystal points out the obvious. She's like, you did it twice. Like, if you regretted it, why did you do it again with the with the second post? And Dorit's like, no, no, that, no, no, that next one was to clarify. My Dorit has moved into Winnie the Pooh. Now that I'm sick, the second one was to clarify Christopher Robin. And that's when uh, Garcelle's like, I can't. And that made me laugh as well. And Andy, I think he's having fun. I like when Andy is in that kind of a mood where he's there to have a little bit of fun. You know, he got some good sleep. He's got some good stuff going on in his life. I don't know. He made a couple million from the Walmart commercials. He was in a good mood. And so he's like, do you think that landed? He asked Dorit that question. And his face when they were going back and forth, again, it's the face of a man who has never worked a day in his life because he does something that he loves. He was lit from within with joy, happiness, and satisfaction at what he does. And Dorit's finally like to Garcelle, she says, do you like me? And Garcelle says, sometimes. 
And Dorit says, do you want to work through it? Do you want a friendship? And Garcelle says, I'm not sure. Then we take a weird turn and we jump into like all of the uh, lewd behavior and talk from the women all year. So they're doing a vignette where they're splicing together all the B-roll from the strip club that they went to and then when they rode the bull and when they talked all their sexy talk, which, I mean, who knows how much footage they have of Erica just being like, well, I love a good dance, you know? So they put together all of that and then they get into talking about Sutton kissing her driver and Andy wishes that he had a driver that he could smooch. They talk about a joke that Crystal made when they were going to the strip club where she said, Dorit hasn't seen a real body part in 10 years. That's funny. That's unequivocally funny. But Dorit's trying to do the thing where she's like, what did you mean by that? I mean, other than my breasts, what, what, what about me exactly isn't real? And Crystal's like, it was a joke. I was just being funny. Then we got into the whole thing where Kyle out of nowhere, but we know where ask the whole group if they would be open to dating a woman. To no reason, I'm asking for a friend. Just for a friend. A friend was curious and I said, you know what, I have a group of women that I hang out with and I will ask them and I will take a poll. And then we do this weird thing where we flashback. I think just, I think they must every season try to show us Teddy against our will. So they have this whole vignette where they put together all this footage of when Teddy was on and when everybody would make fun of Kyle and Teddy sleeping in the bed. And when people were talking about Kyle and Teddy having like some sort of anxiety coach and they went to therapy about it together or something, and they're somehow trying to equate that to Kyle asking about if people would date a woman. And then things get really real and very enlightening. And so they talk about Kyle. I mean, Andy has to know because he's like, so would you date a woman? And she says, yeah, you know, never say never. Like, why not? And she starts talking about like, you grow up a certain way. Your mom teaches you, you have certain things that you're taught to believe. So she just starts talking really fast. This whole thing about, would you date a woman? And they shoehorn Teddy in there. And then it's like, but would you date a woman? She's like, yeah. And then she gets into that. She just sort of fell in line growing up and sort of did what her mom told her to do and behave the way that she was told and how much she's changed over the past 18 months. And she doesn't know what the future holds. And we're like, we have a guess. And sweet Sutton, she chimes in. She's like, and I don't think any of us would be judgmental or care. I'm like, thank you, Sutton. Make sure she knows because she needs to know. And she said, we would be supportive. It doesn't matter. And Garcelle chimes in like, absolutely. And they're just being so nice. They're saying like, Kyle, it's okay. It's no one. It's not a big deal. It's really not. I think everybody was very excited for Kyle to be happy, find happiness. It's 2024. I don't know who she thinks is going to be hung up about any of this, but if they're hung up about it, they're not for you. Cut them out of your life. And then we get to 8.5 and it's her turn to do her little summary of her stuff over the season. And Andy does a whole tee up of her being 8.5 and they're showing her where she's bragging about being rated an 8.5 by her husband. And then the real footage of her is down in the corner and she's just cheesing. She just given like the, <laughs> like just that QVC kind of open mouth smile the whole time her video was playing of her describing herself as quite subpar by her husband. And I really think they thought they were doing something with 8.5 and because the way that they even introduced her on the show was like married to the husband, former NFL. We don't care. We don't care. Bravo people don't care. We don't, don't bring us a housewife that's almost only famous for who she married. She's got to stand on her own two feet. I'm trying to think all the housewives that were brought to us and we're supposed to be super impressed because of who they married. I think Camille started out that way. But I mean, by the end of her first season, it was like, okay, this is, this is leaps and bounds more entertaining than Cheers ever was. I love Cheers. I mean, in a different way. Or Frasier. You know, she had her own star qualities for reality TV. And even Crystal. They made a very big deal about who her husband was and that he directed The Lion King and ooh, ah. But like, you got to stand on your own two feet. Like, he's not a cast member, you know? And so for Anne Marie, like, take the L. Take the L. It wasn't there for you. The fact that you're married to some guy who played sports for a minute, we don't care. And we especially don't care because now we've learned more about the husband. And the allegations against him. And so we really don't want to see him. I'm kind of surprised they they kept it so husband heavy 
for the reunion. I'm like, has everybody at Bravo read the, the filing against this person? And Andy's first question is, ladies, are you surprised at how proud Anne is at her 8.5 ranking? And without missing a beat, Garcelle immediately is like, yes. And before anyone else can answer, 8.5 jumps in and she's like, my, my husband and I, we're like best friends. She said, quote, like, that is my homie, right? We can joke about things like that. It was not presented as a joke. You told us how he rated you uh, physically, mentally, athletically. Ma'am, do not gaslight yourself, most of all. And bless Andy, because then he says, how would you rate him? And what's she going to say? She says 8.5 because she can't say anything else. You can't rate your husband a 10 when he rated you an 8.5, and you're not going to rate him lower. Not when the patriarchy and misogyny has already brought you up to this point. And then out of the blue, Andy asks her about her mom. He says condolences about your mother. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they say that Anne Marie's mother had a tumor and she passed away of cancer while Anne Marie was shooting the show or right before she shot the show, something. I'm not sure of the exact timeline there. Anne Marie's crying, talking about what a hard year it's been. And we never had any idea of that storyline. I don't know if that was on purpose and they just didn't want to show that but that was very sad and it was out of nowhere again and then while she's still drying her tears Andy's like all right we're gonna make a right turn and we're gonna talk about how opinionated you are it's like okay and they show a bunch of flashbacks of her you know being very boisterous in in the room of women like she never had her humble first year keep your nose clean keep your head down fly under the radar make the friendships you need to make figure people out. She just came in horde. Hey, this is my friend Kyle. Like I back her up. And Andy said, you're very opinionated and you're very confident. And that's what I picked up from her at BravoCon. And I was not a fan at BravoCon. There was some panel, same seating situation as I'm watching on the reunion. She was to the far left. And I remember watching that panel and being like, damn, she really annoys me. What is it about her? So she's going off on stage and she's like, I always speak my mind. And I'm always very honest. And I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. I object. And then Andy asks her, like, what was the hardest part about getting all the criticism from viewers? And so she starts crying again. And she says she internalized it. And Andy's like, it's very hard. And there's no way to prepare anyone for the kind of criticism that you get before you go on a show like this. And I'm like, I feel like people know by now. I feel like, like, if you don't know the Bravo fans by now... Like, you got to know if you're going to go on that show and tell the world that your husband rated you an 8.5 and you're happy about it, like, just run it through a filter in your mind. Just think, what would a stranger think about this comment that I'm saying? But it's that lack of perspective that makes a good housewife sometimes. And she never once thought that using her medical profession to come after someone's health issue and make fun of it and then insinuate an eating disorder that that wasn't going to not be well received. So forgive me if I am really not willing to blame the Bravo fans here. I think there is such a thing as good feedback, constructive feedback. And yeah, Bravo fans do it in a way where it's hilarious. It really is. Like, I don't think I've ever seen completely cruel shade, or at least those aren't the pages that I follow. You know, I'm sure that's over on Reddit somewhere. But I follow the pages where they're going to give you a criticism, but with humor. And people have been doing that, like, since the first time she brought off the esophagus and all of the rating stuff. My point is, I don't see the Bravo sphere as the bad guys. And I think they're too quick to do that on Bravo and be like, some people just don't think you can do anything right, Anne-Marie. No, Andy. No, Andy. How did we get there? Are we going to ignore why some people feel that way? But I guess we are, because we moved on. And he's really trying to kick up the dust between Crystal and 8.5 Anne because he blatantly asks Anne, like, what did you think of Crystal when you first met her off the show? And she's like, she was awesome off the show. But when the cameras went up, it was a different tune. Oh, was it? And Crystal, again, makes it very clear that when she first met Anne Marie, she told her that she was a doctor. She said anesthetist, anesthesiologist. And she's like, people really don't know the difference. But Crystal did because Crystal's sister is an anesthesiologist with a practice at Cedar sinai So then Anne-Marie comes in like she does very drama. And she's like, I'm going to tell you what happened once and for all kind of a thing. And Anne-Marie goes right into her nurse ratchet thing of like, I'm not going to talk over you today. I'm not doing that today. Then get out. It's a reunion. If you can't take the heat, get out. It's the reunion. And Crystal says, you have proven to be a liar, which is true. 
But Anne-Marie won't admit it. So Crystal starts bringing it up. She's like, I'm going to name him. And she's like, did you not insinuate that uh, Sutton had an eating disorder twice? Did you not? And she's just going. And Anne-Marie's like, no, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm like, just say yes, that you did lie about some things so we can move on. You don't have to like try to own the direction of this conversation and say, we'll get to that in my list of bullet points. You're not running this. And Andy tries to take a poll and go, who knew she was a nurse? And I'm like, don't do that. Not with the bar, this intellectual bar being in hell. Like people may not even know what they do to make a dollar on this show, you know? But Crystal's like, bottom line, I think that you take advantage of the fact that people don't know the difference, exactly like you said to me. People don't know the difference. And then we get into the whole American Association of Nurse Anesthetists versus Anesthesiologists. And remember, they made that sassy social media post. And it really bothers me because I think she's trying to lean into this whole like East Coast, West Coast beef between nurse anesthetists and anesthesiologists. And that's that has no place in what we're talking about here. Like you either said you were a doctor or a nurse, but you don't need to pull it back into being about something bigger to try to get nurses mad and behind you. That's how I see it. And so she starts talking about like the political aspect of it all. And I'm like, this is unnecessary. We don't need to do this. Kyle, I think, has been teed up to ask her some fluff questions. She's like, now, why is that? Is it because they can do the same thing? And Emery's like, "Mm." Yes, but for a different price. So this is like when you go to a salon and they're like, do you want someone who's like a level one or a level five? So a nurse anesthetist is a cheaper version, but does all the exact same things as an anesthesiologist. I'm finding this hard to believe. And Crystal straight up asked her, she's like, how does the anesthesiologist that you work for or work with, how do they view your comments like that? And she's like, okay, first of all, first of all, I'm a solo practitioner. And they get into an extremely frustrating back and forth. But the thing about 8.5 Anne, she's just one of those personality types. She will not admit that any of this is mislabeling. I think this could go on forever if Andy doesn't break it up. And this is when I took to my bed because Anne-Marie starts going off. Like, do you remember that scene in Best in Show where the guy's naming all the the different types of nuts? He's like, there's a peanut and a walnut and a pecan nut and a cashew nut. And he's just going hazelnut and he's driving in his car and he keeps naming nuts. That's what Anne-Marie was doing. But with anesthesia, she's like, well, you got your veterinary anesthesiologist. And then you got your pediatric anesthesia. And we're like, what is this? What does this have to do with anything? And I paused it and took to my bed. When she started going off with fun facts about anesthesiology in the Civil War, she's just like, and then in the Civil War. I'm like, what are you talking about? So coming back to it, I'm glad that I took a break when I did because I see that what she says after that is, Crystal, you're really just trying to downplay my profession. It's like, no, no one is trying to do that. No one could get a straight answer out of you to save their lives. But you never had to take the oath to do no harm, did you? Because you're not a doctor. Hashtag not a doctor. She really will not. She will not give an inch. And so Crystal, I think, is so nice to her. I mean, she's direct, but she's still nice. She's like, look, no one has ever criticized nurses, nurse anesthetists, your profession here. We're talking about you and things you have said. Like, we're not going to shift this argument. When you weaponized your medical profession and training against Sutton and used it to start telling lies about her, like, that's when I'd had enough. And what do you what do you think Anne-Marie says? 8.5 Anne. She's like, oh, here we go. Like, no, sorry. You don't get to be annoyed by that. That was horrible. That was your entire storyline this season. You didn't talk about anything else, really. Like that event for Kyle's friend, she was going on. They showed the timestamps for hours about it. How are you brought on to ride for Kyle? And that's how you act at her her friend's celebration of life event. And they get to talking about the esophagus in 8.5. And does say like watching it back, I hated seeing myself doing that. Uh, I would be annoyed with me too. I regret doing that. She does finally, I think, truly apologize. And Sutton, of course, accepts it because Sutton's very nice. And Sutton's like, you know, it wasn't even, I wasn't angry about the esophagus, that it was going behind my back and talking about it and saying that I had an eating disorder. Now, these are things that she said to her during the season. Remember when they were at uh, the big event at the end, the gala, and Anne-Marie just got irritated with him and was like, we've addressed this. 
So it's super irritating that Andy doesn't even like let her respond to that, or maybe they cut it away, or maybe it was a terrible response and we'll never see it because Anne-Marie just shakes her head nodding, but she never says anything to that. And Andy just moves on to the fact that so many viewers wrote in about either also having an issue with their esophagus, a health issue, or having a loved one, a family member who does. I know I heard from hundreds, maybe thousands of people who wrote in and said, like, how dare she make fun of this? Like, this is absolutely a legitimate health condition. And so Andy is sort of giving kudos to the ladies in this weird roundabout way of, hey, you know what? At least it's an issue that so many people connected with. And we know that this is a valid, real thing that people deal with. So then Anne-Marie starts saying, like, I'm sorry. I really am so sorry. I'm so sorry, Sutton. And Sutton is like, of course, yes, she appreciates it and she accepts it. And then they did the weirdest thing. They showed us a clip of them during a break of some kind where Kyle was dishing and telling Andy like hot gossip. And I swear all the Real Housewives should strive to do that. Like you should save up every little nugget of hot gossip that you have for the next time you see Andy because he loves it. Just just eats it right up. And so she's telling him like, can you believe like LVP, like she ran into Crystal. So it's not even her hot gossip. Like Crystal should have been the one telling the story. You know what I mean? But Kyle is. And she's like, yeah, LVP ran into Crystal. And she was like, who are you? And Crystal had to tell her that she was on the show. And she's like, is Coyle still on? Can you believe? And Andy slaps his leg. He's laughing so hard. And I'm like, well, LVP continues to live rent free in Kyle's mind. And the next part focuses on Crystal and about how outspoken she was to 8.5 Anne. And she says, look, it's because... She was coming for people about an eating disorder, something that she struggles with daily. And it also talks about Crystal saying that it's really difficult for her to be on the show watching all these women like shrink down and they all called each other skinny every single time. I swear that Kyle saw Erica when she hadn't seen her in a minute. She's telling her how skinny she is. And just think about what that does to someone who is dealing with an eating disorder. So she's very open about those challenges and about the fact that she only really like almost broke, I would say, with Anne-Marie and lost her cool because it was about eating disorder. And of course, of course, Anne, 8.5 Anne, cannot just let Crystal have this dialogue about her own life. She has to jump in and be like, well, you know, other things were going on in that moment. She just cannot ever leave anything alone or take ownership straight out. She's got to make it seem like there are things we'll never know like Crystal was there. So Crystal like has had it at this point. And so she snaps and I love it when a nice person snaps. I really do. And she's like, are you ever going to apologize to me for saying that I said she had an eating disorder? And so after seeming flustered and irritated by Crystal, she finally says like Sutton and Crystal never said that you had an eating disorder. I never said that either. No one ever said it. No one thinks that you do have one. And I'm like, no, 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 Andy, don't let them get away with that. Because 8.5 Anne said it. And Kyle straight up like alluded to it when they were all in the kitchen area. How are we just letting them get off about this? But it's a Beverly Hills reunion and that's what we do. So he pivoted to Spain. But in doing so, he underestimated 8.5 Anne because he tried to talk about how at the dinner in Spain, Anne accused Crystal of saying all the women were uneducated and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Crystal's like, look, we have dumb conversations. This is not highly educated type fair. But Amory has to jump back in. It's almost like she forgot a point that she wanted to make when they were going back and forth. She's making this point that has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. And she says, there have been times when you have been less than truthful. And so she starts trying to dig up old stuff. Like she says, you tried to tell Sutton that she was racist for a whole season you made up this, you made up that. And we're like, hmm, this is odd because you said you never watched the show. And in a couple of the episodes, you were like, fill me in. I don't know what's going on here. So like some of us around the table, like we don't really know everything. And it's like, you asked Erica to do a full summary for you of last season, but here you go throwing out stuff that's been going on for, you know, four or five seasons. So which is it? Because I think you're an avid watcher. That's what I think. I think she's an avid watcher who practiced something in a mirror and forgot that she was going to say it and then remember it and is trying to get out the spiel 
but she can't even get it out all the way because now people are all interrupting her. And she's like, and you lied about your 14 friends. And I don't want to be a part of your system of lies. And to her credit, like Crystal is just very amused the whole time. She's just like laughing about it. Like, oh, okay. All right. It's like fighting with a little kid or something. You know what I mean? It's amusing. It's not a real threat. And she's like, great. Well, you don't have to be worried about it. You're not a part of it. And for some strange reason, we get to focusing back on Dorit. And Andy wants to know, Dorit, why did it bother you so much? You seemed very bothered at the whole not highly educated thing. And there's a beat. There's silence. And then Little Red Riding Cornholio says, I think I'm the only one here with a college degree. And there's more silence and everybody starts laughing. <laughs> because it's like, what? And to my irritation, 8.5 Anne was laughing the hardest because she thought it was so funny that somebody would think that she doesn't have a college degree when she's a doctor. And then this is when Crystal starts her absolute gag attack of Dorit. And I said the word attack on purpose. <laughs> but she gags Dorit. Like, I'm looking at this picture of Dorit right now. She's on my screen because I've rewound it to this part of the show. And it really is just like the two eyeballs emojis. Like she's got nothing to say back to Crystal because Crystal says to her, but I am going to stick by the uneducated comment because of you calling me a child bride. And Dorit's little mouth just opens and her eyes are real wide. And the little tuft, little tuft of hair is just across her forehead. And Crystal says to her, like, that is a disgusting thing to say, which it is. And Dorit kind of like scratches at her forehead. And I know that little piece of hair is itching and tickling. I know that it is. We're going to call it a little itch, a little tickle, because I know that it's dry. It would drive me crazy if you had a little piece of hair. It's just, it's almost touching her eyebrow. So it's all the way down her forehead. And her only response to that, it's not an I'm sorry. It's not. It's just like, well, you know, they call Priscilla Presley a child bride. And as someone who yesterday watched the movie Priscilla, that's no excuse. Again, what does that have to do with anything? Good movie, by the way. It was really refreshing to see it from Priscilla's point of view because everything we ever see is from Elvis's point of view. Like we get it. And like with most things in the past, you would hope that that would not ever happen now. You would hope that a 24 to 25 year old man who is courting someone who's 14, that people would all be so disgusted that nobody would stand for it. And he would like lose fans and they would be very vocal about it. And I don't know if it's like there was no social media back then. And also it was just grosser back then. I think it was just more common for a 14 year old to like get with their cousin, Jerry Lee Lewis, or to just be sent off, you know, to America to go stay with Elvis's family at his compound. And my mother is such an Elvis fan. I'm going to have to have her watch that movie and see what her takeaway is of it. Because that's a real question is, can a diehard Elvis fan admit that that was inappropriate? We'll find out. I'll get back to you on it. What it's not is an excuse for Dorit calling Crystal a child bride. So Dorit's trying to belittle it and Crystal is taking the time to be like, I am Asian. So for you to say that to me, and she's really just like holding her hand through it. And Garcelle's like, see, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> and we're like, we know Garcelle, we see it. But Dorit still has not broken. She's like, it was obviously a throwaway comment. Well, it wasn't obvious if they're not seeing it too. Like it's only a joke if people laugh and it's only obvious if everyone gets it, Dorit. And Kyle wasted precious moments of our time trying to defend Dorit by saying, I feel like everybody says 12. <laughs> Don't you just like, doesn't everybody just say that? Like 12. Like, it seems like, you know, she was 12. Like, isn't that what it... And people just skip over it like it didn't even happen, which I love that. And then Krista goes right back <laughs> into it with Dorit. And she's like, I got married when I was 24. I had graduated from college. And now my company is worth $100 million. And they cut back to Dorit and she's like, amazing about the company. <laughs> Like she's definitely not happy for Crystal. Crystal's so nice. She really could have and maybe should have. It probably would have gone down in like Real Housewives history if she had been like, my company's worth $100 million. How's Beverly Beach doing? Ooh, is the dining room at Boca de Beppo bringing you any residuals? Mm. Ooh, would have been so nice. But instead, she focuses on the real issue, which is that that was a microaggressive comment, it seems, you know, the child bride thing, like Dorit cannot help herself. She's always doing that. And from under her breath, sitting right next to her, Erica's like, it felt more macro than micro. So, I mean, Erica always sees, it seems, the racism stuff. She's chimed in before, but she sees it even if her little crew refuses to acknowledge it. 
Dorit does not apologize. I did not hear one I'm sorry for calling you a child bride. She was just like, well, you know, that's not what I meant. (laughs) It's not what I intended, which is not the same as saying I'm sorry. Then last but not least, because heavy lies the crown of the Queen Bee of Beverly Hills after she took down her opposition LVP, it's Kyle's turn. So they do a little thing about Kyle. Uh, For some reason, we get into a beef that Kyle still has with Dorit from 2022, a reunion in 2022. When Dorit dared to stick up for Kathy or say that Kathy just wanted some kind of understanding, the look on Kyle's face at that reunion said it all, and she has carried that grudge. Speaking of grudges that Dorit wants to bring up, she has carried that grudge for two years. So all of us are subjected to hearing about that reunion again, hearing about issues with Kathy again, hearing about Kyle's so hurt and where was Dorit and she shouldn't have stuck up for her sister and Kyle needed her in her corner. Ugh. But then true stuff starts coming out. So Kyle says, it seems to me that you just want to be on the side that the audience is for. And Dorit is taken aback. She's like, what? I don't even follow what the audience wants. Okay. And then this, I could not, I could not stop laughing in this part. So then Kyle's like giving examples, right? And she's like, well, like at BravoCon, somebody asked a question and they were very rude about Teddy. And we remember who that was was like Alexander Diane something. This guy had this amazing long name. He's like, my name is Alexander Diane something. I can't remember last name, but it's in one of my stories. And he was like, why do you keep thrusting Teddy upon us when no one wants this storyline? And the whole place rumbled and about like crashed in on itself. People were so just love, they loved that question because it's so true. It's like, stop forcing Teddy. I stopped trying to make fetch happen. But Kyle had her little pursed lips up on the stage. She loves purses and she pursed those lips, Hermes style, up on stage. And that was not funny. Don't make fun of Teddy. Teddy's a good, Teddy's a good friend. And I love that they played the actual footage of the question. I wish that they had put his name on there, his full name, but they did show him asking the question at BravoCon. <laughs> the part that I forgot about that is that he asked that question and Garcelle says, mm-hmm, or something. And then before Kyle answers, she's like, I'd like to know. But listen, Kyle brought that up because she thinks that Dorit should have said something to defend Teddy. She is mad and she thinks that Dorit didn't say something to defend Teddy against a viewer fan who had a question in the audience of BravoCon because Dorit just wants to go along with the fans. And she points out that Erica murmured something like, well, Teddy's a friend, so whatever. And Anne-Marie was brand new. And again, I did not like her style at all at BravoCon, but that's just because I realized now I just don't like her at all. But she chimed in and was like, Teddy's, Teddy's a good person. Shrug, shrug. Well, Teddy's, I mean, our kids play football together, so I've known Teddy. I've known Teddy longer than ever. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's part of the coven. Like she was brought on to support and help facilitate like Kyle being Queen B. That's how I see it. So yeah, that makes sense. You're mad because Dorit didn't chime in. So everybody has to stop what they're doing and talk about what a great person Teddy is. Kyle has just successfully redirected the reunion to to eat up, what, five, seven minutes to be about freaking Teddy instead of her life. But it's a good strategy because she ran out the clock and that's where the first part of the reunion ended. Dorit's like, that's ridiculous. I can't believe you're mad at me about that, Christopher Robin. And then they're like, that's it. Previews for next week. And the highlights of the previews for next week are Andy yawning and covering his yawn with his cue cards while Dorit talks about how difficult the last two years have been. (laughs) And then we see that they're going to get into Dorit yelling at Garcelle about her daring to comment about some of the very odd circumstances of Dorit's robberies, multiple robberies. For instance, she brings up in the preview for next week that it's odd that they left her cell phone for her by the gate because Dorit said she asked them to leave her cell phone by the gate. And Dorit's very upset. And she's like, it's not that odd. It's not. It's not. And then they show Andy asking Erica to please expand on why she met with victims. And this is about the housewife and the hustler part two. And Erica says that she can't. And then we see the big showdown for next week, which is between Kyle and Sutton and Sutton coming to her senses, maybe for the first time and just being like, you have been so mean to me. Because if you watched Kyle's confessionals, 
She is so awful to Sutton. I don't know how Sutton thinks that they're friends. I really don't. But of course, Kyle doesn't like that. So then she's grandstanding and she's like, don't you dare say I've not shared my family. You bought a horse and went shopping. I'm going through. So again, diminishing what other people are going through, just like she diminished that Sutton was having to deal with going to court about her son and custody and dealing with her husband. Like all of that is nothing to Kyle because it's not her life coming for Sutton, uh, insinuating that she has an eating disorder, hyping up Anne-Marie to go after her esophagus. That's all nothing because it's not her life. And I don't see an apology from her. There might be one, but she's like, I could have said things and I didn't. And so that's her form of an apology is like, you got off easy toots. Now, the only thing that's really got me coming back and looking forward to reunion part two is with Sutton freaking out when somebody in a flannel shirt comes on stage. Is it her driver? Who else would get that kind of reaction from her? I don't know. Maybe it's completely unrelated and they could just be messing with us. They do this a lot at Bravo. Until then, please subscribe to this pod. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Check out my YouTube. Not sure what I'm going to do for the next pod. It's a wild card. I have a list of fun ideas. So I'm going to spin a wheel and see what we land on. In the meantime, don't be like Dorit. If you're going to make people sit around and wait for you for almost two hours. Your outfit better be amazing. <laughs>